What is the goal of a sermon? Uh, what, what is it meant to achieve? Uh, if you're uh, fairly new here, you, you'll soon realise that we spend uh, most of our services, both morning and evening, uh, on the preaching of God's Word. Uh, it's not just, just a 10-minute talk um, but but the bulk of our services are, are devoted uh, to hearing God's word preached uh, so it's obviously something that we think is very significant but but what is it meant to achieve well we believe that preaching is nothing less than an encounter with God through his word in which by the power of the Holy Spirit Jesus Christ is to be presented, pictured and lifted up in such a way that those who haven't yet put their faith in him would do so and that those who have already put their faith in him would be built up and strengthened to live for him. So an encounter with God, uh, particularly uh, with Jesus Christ as presented in the scriptures. Uh, When he was on earth, the Lord Jesus described himself in many ways, uh, which are recorded for us. Uh, And we read one of those ways he describes himself earlier from John chapter 10, where he says, I am the good shepherd. And we're going to be thinking today a little bit about what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. And the goal of that isn't just so that you can know more information about what it means for Jesus to be a good shepherd, but so that you would go from here saying, I want Jesus to be my shepherd. So if you're already a believer, you would say, what a great shepherd I have as I go out into this new week. So we're going today to be looking at Jesus as the good shepherd, but we're also going to be thinking about the role of the shepherd as it relates to those in the church who are called to serve in the special role of elder or under-shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. Peter calls him the chief shepherd. The book of Hebrews calls him the great shepherd. But there are also to be shepherds in each congregation to care for the flock, to embody the care of the good shepherd for his people. So that's why in in churches like ours, there are elders. Uh, Obviously, even at their best, these men will fall far short of the type of shepherd that Jesus is. But as he returned to heaven, he committed the care of his flock to weak and sinful men. The men who he has saved, men who he is at work in, and men who he has called and equipped for that role. In our own congregation here, we're planning, God willing, to hold an elder election in the new year. That's something we've been praying about since before the summer. And recently, on Sunday mornings, I've begun preaching on it. We began the first week with a call for elders. Thinking through the Apostle Peter's exhortation to the elders in 1 Peter 5. Then we looked at the question of why have elders at all? The answer being that Jesus as King tells us to because he rules through them and because he's given them for the sake of our faith. So having elders in the church isn't something we can take or leave. It's something that's required of us by the king and head of the church. And it's a role that he has implemented for our own spiritual good. 
Sadly, though, as we've also had to acknowledge, many of those in this community who have been appointed elders never should have been. Eldership has been treated as a reward for long service or even as a way to try and keep people in the church. In many cases, those who have been appointed as elders haven't even been saved themselves. So if we want to know what elders should be like as men, If we want to know what their role involves, we have to look at what the Bible says rather than looking around us. And this morning we come to think about the duties or responsibilities of an elder. As we as a congregation come to elect an elder, we need to know exactly what an elder is expected to do. So that when it comes time to vote, we know what roles we're expecting the man we're voting for to carry out by God's grace. And so we can look for men who are already doing many of these things. And we also want to think through the responsibility of elders so that you as a congregation know what to expect from your elders, uh, both the existing elders who are, are Gerald and myself and any new elders that God in his kindness gives us here. And as we come to think about the responsibilities of elders, we're going to do that by thinking specifically about what it means for a man to be a shepherd. Because of all the words the Bible uses to sum up the role of elder, shepherd is probably the most important. It's used in 1 Peter 5. Uh, Peter exhorts the elders there, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, being examples to the flock. It's used in Ephesians 4.11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. It's used in Acts 20, 28. At least in most Bible versions, uh, the version we use translates it as care for the church of God. But literally it's shepherd the church of God. Uh, The same word used by, by Peter. Now maybe shepherd isn't a word that we associate with ministers and elders. Uh, maybe the, the only time we, we think of, uh, of shepherds in, in the church is about the story of the birth of Jesus. But one word that we do associate with ministers and el- elders, well particularly ministers, is the word pastor. Uh, you've maybe heard of past pastor so-and-so of this church But what does it mean uh, to be a pastor? Uh, Well, pastor is just the Latin word for shepherd. Uh, That's why English words like pastoral have to do with sheep. Uh, We often use the word pastor to describe the minister. He's the pastor and then you have the other elders. But actually all the elders are pastors. They're all shepherds. So what does a shepherd do? If, that, if, if shepherd is such a, a key word for thinking through the role of an elder in the church, uh, what does a shepherd do? What does Jesus, our great shepherd, do for us? And what are those who are appointed as shepherds in a congregation meant to do? Uh, we're going to look at, at the answer to that question under three headings, each of which is ju- just one word, uh, so hopefully easy to remember. Uh, thinking of how these apply to the Lord Jesus uh, as our shepherd uh, and also how they apply to elders. Uh, so an elder is to, to feed, he's to lead and he's to protect. So, so feeding, leading and protecting. Uh, and firstly, uh, we have feeding. 
When it comes to looking after sheep in a field, uh, making sure that they're fed is vital, uh, that they have the right sort of, of pasture. In Psalm 23, uh, which is probably the most famous part of the Bible, you, you might not know it's called Psalm 23, but you, you've probably heard that the Lord is my shepherd, but that's Psalm 23. Uh, well, it goes on to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, that's just a, an old way of saying we won't lack anything that we need. And the psalm also goes on to say that the Lord being our shepherd means that he makes us lie down in green pastures. In other words, he provides rich food for us. And so right at the top of the list of what a shepherd in the church is to do is to feed the sheep. I mentioned earlier that although our, our Bibles translate Acts twenty twenty eight as care for the church of God, it's literally shepherd the church of God. But the old King James version of the Bible actually translates it as feed the church of God. Now feeding isn't a shepherd's only role, but it is absolutely vital that the shepherd makes sure the sheep are getting the right food. In the Old Testament, the prophet Ezekiel is told by God to prophesy against the leaders of the people. He's to go to them and to say, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? The Lord goes on to say that Israel's shepherds had been taking advantage of the sheep and not feeding them. Then in the New Testament, there's this incident in the life of the Apostle Peter. You may know that when Jesus was being crucified, Peter denied him three times. But after Jesus was raised from the dead, he, he restored Peter to his service. Uh, Peter, who, who thought he, he'd maybe blown it forever, uh, three times Jesus comes and says to Peter, uh, do you love me? Uh, three times Peter answers yes. And every time he does, Jesus says to him, he says, feed my lambs. Uh, then he says, tend my sheep. And then he says, feed my sheep. So Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, if you love me, if you want to serve me, you will feed my sheep. So feeding is an absolutely vital part of a shepherd's role. So we, we know what, what a farmer feeds sheep with. But what does a spiritual shepherd feed his sheep? Well, he feeds them with God's word. In a week or two, we'll come to look at the specific qualifications set out for elders in God's word. In other words, what characteristics elders are to have. And all apart from one of those characteristics are things that are actually to be true of every Christian, at least to some extent. But they're to be seen especially in elders. But there is one thing that elders are required to be able to do that all Christians don't have to be able to do. And that is to teach. To teach. Now that is particularly the role of what we call the, the teaching elder or the minister. 1 Timothy 5.17 talks about the elders who labour in preaching and teaching, uh, those who do it as their full-time job. So as a minister, my primary role is to labour in preaching and teaching, but, but all elders are to be able to teach. That usually won't mean preaching a sermon. It doesn't mean they need to be standing up at the front. But an elder must be able to instruct God's people about God's will. That can be done 
one-on-one. It can be done through leading Bible studies. It can be done by accompanying the minister on pastoral visits. It can be done informally as well as formally. It can be done when, when talking to someone after church as well as in meeting up with them. But whatever the context, an elder must be able to instruct God's people about God's will. So elders have to be able to teach and they also have to be able to oversee the teaching. Uh, elders, uh, one of the words used for elders in the Bible is overseer. The elders have the responsibility of supervising the pulpit, making sure that the preaching is biblical, a true, appropriate, suitable, balanced and practical. That the minister's sermons are really addressing the needs of the people under his care. Now hopefully it would be a very rare thing indeed for an elder to have to say to uh, the minister, uh, pastor or fellow pastor, I I think what you said on Sunday was wrong. They they may have to say that, hopefully that would be a very rare thing, but, but maybe more often they might have to say things like, Pastor, people in the congregation are really struggling at the moment with different things going on and they could really do with sermons that are a bit more encouraging rather than just being told every week that they have to try, have to try harder. Or elders might need to say to their minister, Pastor, you seem to have this particular hobby horse that you're always talking about. Uh, maybe you need to watch that you're not becoming unbalanced. Yes, it's true, but, but you're mentioning it every week. Or maybe they need to say more practical things to the minister. Maybe elders will need to say, Pastor, you've been preaching the same sermon series for six months and people could really do with something different. Or, Pastor, if your sermons were five minutes shorter, it might stop you losing people before the end. It might really help the young families. Elders also need to keep an eye on how often the minister is away, if he's taking on too many speaking opportunities outside the congregation, while on the other side of the coin making sure that he's taking his holidays, having a day off every week, spending proper time with his family. Uh, and the elders shouldn't just be those who, who say or think, well, as long as people appreciate his sermons on a Sunday, it doesn't really matter if his home life is a bit unhealthy. The elders shouldn't say, well, it doesn't matter if he doesn't seem to have any friends, never goes to conferences, and doesn't seem to have any spiritual input into his life from anyone else. We don't believe in one-man ministry. And so not only are elders to be able to teach themselves, but they also need to take oversight of what's being preached from the pulpit, whether from their own regular minister or from visiting preachers while also watching out for danger signs in the life of the minister. So a key part of a shepherd's role is feeding. And elders must be able not only to feed the sheep themselves, but also to keep an eye that that the one who is primarily feeding the sheep is feeding them with healthy food and doing it in a balanced way. So, So firstly, shepherds feed The Lord Jesus feeds us with his word uh, and he does that through elders who he has appointed primarily. Uh, So shepherds feed, secondly they lead. Uh, So our second point today is leading. 
One of the big differences between looking after sheep in our culture and looking after sheep in Jesus' day is that in our culture, the shepherd went, or in their culture rather, the shepherd went ahead of the sheep and the sheep followed him. Whereas in our culture, shepherds walk behind the sheep. In our day, sheep are, are driven, but in Jesus' day, sheep were led. And just as the Lord Jesus feeds his sheep with his word, he also leads them by his word. Jesus feeds his sheep with his word, uh, but he also leads them by his word. John 10 verse 3, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Jesus goes on, The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. How does someone become a Christian in the first place? Is it that they, they, they sign up to join a church? Is it that they, they turn their life around and start doing certain things? No, no. Uh, someone becomes a Christian in the first place by hearing the voice of Jesus. Uh, they're perhaps listening to a sermon and they realize that they're not simply hearing the words of a preacher, but they're hearing the voice of God because uh, the word that is being preached comes to them with power and conviction. They maybe feel that they're the only person uh, being spoken to. Or, or someone becomes a Christian when they're reading the Bible. Uh, maybe they've been initially sceptical about the Bible. Uh, sure, it was just written by men. Sure, it contains contradictions. Uh, Initially, they thought this is just something someone has made up, but as they read, they are convicted that it is the very Word of God. So just as we begin following Jesus in the first place by hearing his voice, that's what we're to keep on doing. Psalm 23 says, He leads me beside still waters. And Jesus, under shepherds in the church, are not only to feed his sheep, but to lead his sheep I think we can sometimes hear phrases like church leadership and think that, well, yes, church leaders, they might preach sermons that are based on the Bible, but when it comes to leadership, they, they maybe just go into a bookshop and, and pick up a book on leadership and they just do whatever they think is best. But actually leading in the church is simply calling on people to listen to the voice of Jesus. Elders don't actually have any authority in and of themselves. They only have authority that comes from God's word. And so leading in the church is simply calling people to listen to the voice of Jesus. If the Lord Jesus hasn't said something, the elders of a church can't tell you to do it. That's an important thing to remember. If the Lord Jesus hasn't said that his people should do something, the elders in a church can't tell you to do it. Uh, they might think something is good, they might think something is advisable, but unless Jesus says that they cannot bind your conscience to it. And so when, when Hebrews 13, 7, 17, when it says uh, to God's people, obey your leaders and submit to them, that is because when they, not, not as individual men, but, but as an eldership, when they warn you about a course of action or tell you that there is something you should be doing that you're not, you should hear that not just as their opinion, but as the voice of the Lord Jesus. Not, not because they're making it up, but because they're taking God's word and applying it to your situation. And so it's important that sessions, which is just what we call uh, collectively the elders of a congregation, it's important that sessions, it's so important that sessions are listening to the voice of Jesus. 
That's who elders are primarily to listen to. They don't take their lead from what they think the congregation would want. Now it's not wrong for a session to consult with the congregation when it comes to certain practical issues. Uh, We did a survey just before COVID about whether people wanted the evening service at a different time and we went with what the majority wanted. We we changed the time of it. But we didn't do a survey as to whether we should have an evening service in the first place or to whether it should have a sermon as part of it. But there are churches where the elders are always looking to the congregation to set the agenda. uh, And decisions are made based on what the congregation wants rather than on what God says. Uh, Decisions are based on what what will upset the least number of people. But just as the sort of sheep that live in a field don't always know what's best for them, neither do spiritual sheep. And that's why all of us need uh, people speaking into our own lives. That's why if a decision needs to be made in this congregation, we don't say, well, will everyone wait behind after church and, and we'll, we'll see what people want to do. We'll, t- we'll take a vote. The elder's responsibility is to lead the people, not be led by them. And they're to do that not based on their own personal preferences or based on what they think will be the most popular, but by following the voice of Christ. And so elders need to be prepared to be unpopular if needs be. And congregations also need to realise that though they vote for elders, elders are answerable to Christ and not to them. Hebrews 13:17 goes on obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account they'll give an account for how they've led the congregation but they won't give an account to the congregation they'll give an account to Christ so that's one aspect of leading elders are to listen to the voice of Christ make decisions in light of that and call on the congregation to follow But there's another very important aspect of leading that we can't ignore and that is leading by example. A man who doesn't lead by example shouldn't be an elder and a man who isn't already leading by example shouldn't become an elder. An elder will struggle to tell people do what I say if he can't also say to them do what I do. Not perfectly, of course, but those who seek to lead God's people must do it first and foremost by example rather than decree. They must lead by example more than command. Elders in God's church, they must lead by example more than command. Yes, at times it will involve command, but if they're not primarily leading by example, It'd be very hard to bring the people with them. So having looked at Hebrews 13, 17, we'll go back to verse 7. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Elders must be able to say with the Apostle Paul, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Jesus Christ is more than our great example, but he's not less than that. 
And elders must follow the Lord Jesus in such a particularly close way that others can be called to follow their example. So when it comes time to voting for an elder, look for a man who is already setting an example in his personal life, in his family life, in his commitment to the church, in looking out for others in the church, in his giving to God's work. Not a perfect man. Jesus is the only perfect man. Uh, We want to be really clear on that. Jesus is the only perfect man. Uh, So we're not looking for for perfect men, but we are looking for for humble men. Uh, For men who are aware of their own sin, but who are, by God's grace, seeking to put it to death. So shepherds feed. Uh, They they lead by by calling people to... to, uh, listen to the voice of Christ in the scriptures and by example then thirdly and finally shepherds protect so feeding leading protecting according to Psalm 23 the good shepherd has a rod and a staff the staff is to guide the sheep and bring back the strays uh, to give them a little prod where when necessary Uh, but the rod is to protect them to, to fight off wild animals Boys and girls, I have a friend and he told me this week that in their house, the favourite Bible story in their house is Noah's Ark. But I said, the favourite Bible story in our house is David and Goliath. How can it not be David and Goliath? And do you remember the story in David and Goliath when David goes to King Saul and he tells Saul how he's been used to fighting off bears and lions to protect the sheep? And that's part of what a shepherd had to do. You know, my dad uh, looked after sheep for many years, but he never had to fight any bears or, or lions. But, but that's what shepherds had to do in the Bible. As well as making sure that shepherds were well fed, as well as leading them to where they needed to go, uh, the shepherd will, will also protect them from being attacked. And that is an ever-present danger for spiritual sheep as well. Paul warns the Ephesian elders in in words we read earlier. After my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So elders need to be able to protect the sheep from false teaching. Whether that's coming from inside the church as it was here or, or whether it comes from outside the church. And in fact, these days, it's probably easier than ever for someone in the pew to be exposed by false teaching. You know, not that long ago, in order to hear false teaching, well, I suppose you, you could get it in, in, a, in, in many books, in Christian bookshops. You could get false teaching from people knocking on your door, maybe from, from the TV or, or from a, a visiting speaker who might come to town. But now, false teaching is is in our homes, in a sense, through the internet, uh, particularly YouTube. Uh, There's so much helpful stuff on on YouTube or on the internet in general, but there's also so much that's dangerous. Dangerous because it's imbalanced 
or dangerous because it's outrightly wrong and, and you can lump Christian, Christian TV in with that as well. You ha- have teachers who are under no real oversight but have uh, tens of thousands or, or hundreds of thousands of followers uh, on YouTube or, or they have a show on Christian TV because people like it, people, people watch it, it brings in the ratings uh, whether it's helpful or not. The part of the elder's role is to protect the sheep from that. Even if the sheep don't think they need protected from it. That's one of the reasons why ordination vows for elders uh, require a higher standard than vows for members. That's why there's a vow about the Westminster Confession of Faith. uh, Which is a, a detailed summary of what we believe the Bible teaches. That vow isn't required for ordinary church members. But elders are to have a certain level of theological awareness. Now exactly what level that is won't look the same for every elder. Some elders will be really theologically engaged, others less. So elders won't all be of the same educational background. I can think of some some great elders who left school at 15 But they had sat under good preaching for years. Many of them had been brought up on the the shorter catechism with family worship in the home. And so they could almost instinctively sense if something being said or taught was a bit off. They might have been able to to, to say exactly in so many words what was wrong with it. But they they could detect something was wrong. So some elders will be more theologically aware than, than others. Uh, some elders might even be more theologically aware than, than the minister. Some ministers end up maybe with a, a professor of theology in their congregation. But if elders are to take a vow about the confession of faith, it needs to be something that they've read, obviously. It needs to be something they can sign up to. And something that they're able to work through by themselves or, or with others uh, using one of the many good study guides that are available It needs to be something that they can test teaching against if they're unsure of it. That's something not just for elders. I'd encourage anyone in the congregation to work through the confession of faith. In fact, maybe in the new year, that's something we might look at doing together as a congregation, meeting up and working through it. But it's possible to be a church member and never read or refer to the confession of faith. You know, that, that wouldn't be a sin for a church member uh, never to, to read it. Uh, I'd encourage you to, but, but you're not sinning if you don't. But elders are to be different. Of course, no one elder ever has to try and iron out false teaching by themselves. It's a team effort. Uh, so, so don't be thinking, oh, if I become an elder, it's, it's just down to me and, and, and the confession of faith and the Bible. And I have to try and work out if something is false or not. It's, it's not just down to, to one person. Uh, and if it's an issue with the minister, there's support in the wider presbytery. But elders must be able to protect the sheep. Of course, sometimes sheep need protected from themselves. Or at least protected from danger that they're running towards because they think it's freedom. Because it is in the nature of sheep to go astray. (coughs) Uh, And that's that's true of, of all of us because in the church, shepherds in the church are sheep as well. As the hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. 
At times, elders will need to show sheep that they're straying when the sheep think that actually they're doing just fine. And elders will need to lovingly restore them to the way of obedience. Even if that's something that by our our natural temperament as elders, most of us would, would rather not have to do. As someone once said, too many men are like little Bo Peep. They would just leave the sheep to wander. Their slogan is, leave them alone and they'll come home. Well, growing up every so often, we would get a a phone call about sheep out on the road. They might have been our sheep, they might have been someone else's sheep. But I never heard anyone answer the phone and say, leave them alone and they'll come home. That's not how sheep work. Elders need to love people enough to have hard conversations with them. Uh, To say to them, if necessary, the way that you're living isn't healthy or, or what you're doing is sinful or you need to go to that person and ask for forgiveness. Because all God's sheep have an enemy who the Bible describes as a roaring lion who is just waiting to get in and to devour them. And it is the elder's job by teaching, pleading and praying to try and protect the sheep. Even if the sheep don't think they're in any danger. So that's a shepherd's role in three words. Feeding, leading, protecting. And permeating all three of those will be prayer. The elders are to follow in the footsteps of the apostles who said in Acts chapter 6, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. In any church I've been part of, the elders will meet before the service each week and one of them will pray for the preaching of the word. Elders will also pray for the flock by name, either at the beginning of each elders meeting or in in separate elders prayer meetings. And each elder must also pray for the flock by himself as well. So elders aren't just to feed, lead and protect, but they're to prayerfully feed, prayerfully lead and prayerfully protect. And again, in doing that, they will be pointing us to the good shepherd, the one who even now is praying for his sheep. Jesus' work on the cross to earn our salvation is is finished. Uh, It can't be added to But his work in praying for us continues. So there are many similarities between shepherds in the church and Jesus as the good shepherd. Of course the big difference is that the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. There is a sense in which elders are to lay down their lives for the sheep. To become an elder is to say that you're going to put the welfare of the sheep above your own comfort, above your own ease. Elders have to die to their own wants and desires for the good of the flock. But elders don't literally lay down their lives for the flock. And even if if they did, even if they did, you know, you'd hope if if a gunman came into the church, the, the, the elders would be the one who would take a bullet for the flock. But even if an elder did that, their death couldn't save the sheep. Uh, that death couldn't take any one of those sheep to heaven. But there is one shepherd who who did lay down his life for the sheep and whose death does exactly that, whose death does take them to heaven. That's what makes the elders' responsibility so heavy because they're caring for the sheep for whom Jesus died. 
As Paul puts it in Acts 20, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. And so above all, the duty of an elder is to keep pointing Christ's sheep to the good shepherd, the one who did lay down his life for them and the one who will be their shepherd forever. As Revelation 7 puts it, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Well, let's praise the Good Shepherd now by turning to the well-known words of Psalm 23, words we've referred to a number of times already. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me down to lie in pastures green. He leadeth me the quiet waters by. What does it mean for the Lord to be our shepherd? It means that he, he makes us lie down in green pastures. It means he leads us beside quiet waters And it means he he protects us. Your rod and staff may comfort still. What a saviour, what a shepherd. Uh, Psalm 23b uh, will stand and sing praise.